0: My brothers and sisters, as I said in the beginning of Mass, today I'd like to speak about Christian freedom and this idea of false guilt. And it's directly tied into our second reading from Saint Paul, in this line, Oh, no one anything but to love. The first reading and the gospel are, are very, very heavy passages and they're related to what I'd like to say, but only in an indirect fashion, so I'm going to treat them very, very quickly. Ezekiel is is a prophet who's called to pronounce God's judgment against a sinful nation. In our gospel, our Lord is talking about excommunication and church discipline, very, very heavy-duty topics. This, the topic I'll be speaking about today is a, is a little more, uh, it's less heavy than, than those topics. Nonetheless, those two passages have something to do, I think, with what I'd like to speak about, because in both of them you see the need for a kind of courageous, bold freedom of expression that really does need to characterize the Christian's life. So Ezekiel called to be a prophet. He's got to be courageous. He's got to tell it like it is. In our gospel, that first step in this process of interchurch discipline, we have the individual who's being sinned against going and speaking to the person who's sinning against them and it's just one on one, and you know what? It takes some courage and some freedom of expression to be able to do that. Okay? And I'd like to tie this idea of courage and freedom of expression into this, the overarching topic here of Christian freedom and freedom from false guilt. We hear in our opening prayer today, O oh God, by whom we receive adoption, look upon your sons and daughters, that those who believe in Christ May receive true freedom. My brothers and sisters, we are the sons and the daughters of the king of the universe, who is not subject to anyone. So therefore, his sons and daughters are not subjects. They are not slaves. They are free. And we need to live our lives in freedom. But we have to understand what exactly that means. St. Paul can help us to understand what that means. He says, "Oh, nothing to anyone, Except to love one another. We need to be free of debts to others. We need to be free of obligations that we have to pay to others. Okay, how do we do that? What is Paul talking about when he says owe nothing to anyone? I don't think he's talking about finances, okay, or loans or anything like that. Most obviously the way that we're free of debts to other people are, is simply from living a holy life and we're not committing any sins against other people. Okay, so we don't owe anything to anyone. In that sense, that's an obvious way of living up to Paul's admonition not to owe anyone, uh, anything. Another way we can be free of these sorts of debts that, that Paul is talking about is if we do do something wrong to the other person, we need to use that courage and that freedom of speech to be able to go to that person and give them a sincere apology. All right? And that requires courage because we have to be vulnerable. We have to put down our defenses, not make excuses for ourselves, but to be very sincere and honest when we give that person an apology. So apologizing, that's another way we can, if we owe someone an apology, pay it off, and therefore you don't get any debts. Okay, That's another way of being free from these debts that Paul speaks about. And then the third way, though, that we can be free of owing anything to anyone is that we can make sure our consciences are well-formed. Are well-formed. Because oftentimes people will get mad at us okay, in life for things that we did that supposedly are wrong, but they're actually not wrong. And they're trying to put false guilt upon us. And I, in my pastoral experience, I find this is very frequent, extremely frequent. Um, you have two kinds of people. You've got boundary busters, and then you've got people who let their boundaries get busted on a regular basis, and they oftentimes carry around with them false guilts. And so they too as well need to have that courage and that freedom of expression to be able to tell the person, I'm not going to fall into your trap and let you control me with this Supposed sin that I've done, which is not really anything wrong. Okay? You have false expectations that don't line up with the moral law. I go to God, I go to the Bible, I go to the teaching of my religion, and my conscience is well formed, so I know what's right and wrong, and what you're telling me is wrong is not wrong. Okay? So you have to have that kind of courage and that boldness to be able to live in freedom and not be controlled and trapped into other people's false moral paradigms. Recently, with with the passing of my mother, um, I had a priest friend loan me a a book called How to Survive the Loss of a Parent. And the author is a bereavement group leader, and she's talking about these 12 different individuals in one of her bereavement groups, and she goes by their stories. And so often the kind of uh, struggles that people have with the loss of a parent is that they've been loaded up with false guilt from their parents. And uh, that can happen in many different ways. And the, the really extreme story in here, these people will be, you know, anonymous. So, so we'll just call her Mary, okay? But it's a true story of a woman. We're just going to call her Mary. And uh, Mary and her mother were very close, okay? And uh, at one point, Mary's mother, when she was very, very young, told her, You're my favorite child, Oh boy, Uh uh-oh, okay, it's a ploy, (laughs) don't fall for it. But how does the little kid know that? And that's what, you know, there can be this abusive relationship that sets up. You know, it's really a kind of a seduction, okay? You're my favorite child. Oh boy, I must have to live up to your expectations now and do all these special things so that I can remain your special special child. Alright, you're my favorite child. Mary and her mother would call each other between 6 and 12 times a day. Okay. Mary confessed to this bereavement group leader that actually she was closer to her mother than she was to her own husband and her own children even. Hmm. Okay, another, another bad sign. Okay. Well, when Mary's mother started to decline in health, uh she moved in with her with, with Mary. Mary took care of her, which is good, God bless her. Uh at some point though, she just didn't have the means, okay, to be able to take care of her mother. Her mother had to go to into the hospital. Uh well, Mary's mother wasn't too happy about that. All right. What are you doing to me? You don't love me. Okay. Mary felt very bad because she evidently was doing something wrong. To her mom by bringing her to a hospital, and the marathon phone calls would continue, and she would visit her mom every day, and then God forbid, her and her husband decided to go out one Friday night to visit some friends, and uh, she said to her mom, Mom, I'll call you when I get back. Well, they got back, kind of late, and she thought, well, you know, I don't want to wake her up, I want her to have her rest, because she's not in a good condition, she needs her rest, so I'll call her tomorrow morning. When Mary called her mother Saturday morning, she got a tongue lashing. I waited up all night for you to call me. Okay. Well, Mary lost it and started yelling at her own mother. And they both hung up on each other. Mary felt terrible. She calls her mother on Sunday and puts all the blame. It's all my fault. I'm so sorry. All right. An apology about something that's not really wrong, it's not a good idea. Okay? It reinforces in your mind the false guilt. Okay? So don't apologize for things that are not wrong. Step number one. All right, and Because it will never satisfy the person who's trying to control you. So Mary's mother did, was, didn't accept the apology. She's just cold towards Mary. Punished her by not being warm towards her. Monday rolls around, and Mary's mother dies. How does Mary feel? She has mountains of false guilt on her from a lifetime of an unhealthy relationship that was really kind of initiated and and framed out by her mother. You see, Mary's mother mothered her daughter out of her own needs and her own emotional needs as opposed to Mary's true needs. Whenever you have the kind of an authority and a person who's being, uh, you know, sort of a subordinate who's being ministered to by the authority, and the authority ministers out of his or her own needs, whether that's a, whether that's a real a minister, whether it's a parent figure, whether it's any kind of person in a leadership position, the needs of the person being served need to be the foundation of that relationship. Okay, When the needs of the authority are the foundation of the relationship, there's an inversion of roles, and there's a role reversal, and it's, it's a setup. It's abusive towards the, the person who now is the subordinate, but then suddenly they've got to do everything now for uh, the, the authority figure. Mary's guilt was a false guilt. What would St. Paul say to her? Mary, owe nothing to anyone except to love them. Be free. Be free, Mary. That's her issue, it's not yours. Okay? That's what St. Paul would say to Mary. Now, false guilt can go from parents to children, but it can go from children to parents. There can be real neglect and a failure to honor one's father and one's mother.
1: False guilt can go from
0: spouse to spouse. It can go from husband to wife. It can go from wife to husband. It can go from co-workers, between co-workers, friends. It's in any kind of relationship that can take place. Not only can false guilt come from others towards us, but believe it or not, it can also come from ourselves to ourselves. We can then put false guilt upon ourselves. Oftentimes, you find a situation where there's an injustice being perpetrated between one person and another, and this, and it's this, this person who's the perpetrator is not putting false guilt on this person, but this person says to themselves, you know what? I must deserve it. I must deserve what I'm getting. Something I did that's wrong, I'm guilty. So, in this case, it's a false accusation, Against oneself and they're, and they're buying it. In all of these cases, my brothers and sisters, we need to have well-formed consciences. We need to look to God, to sacred scripture, to the teachings of our holy faith, to get our consciences formed right so we know it's right and wrong, and then above and beyond, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, we need to have that boldness and freedom of expression, that, that prophetic freedom to speak to the person with charity and kindness, But to tell them, this is your issue, it's not mine, I'm sorry, okay? I'm not guilty, and I'm not going to play this game. And you don't go and badmouth a person to a a thousand other people. That's not the point. you got to go directly to them. It takes vulnerability and love, okay? What I always say is when you let a boundary buster bust your boundaries and you let them do it, it's not the loving thing to do. Okay, because it's bad for them as well as for you. It's not the truly loving thing for them to do. You have to stop them from violating those boundaries because it's a limitation of your freedom, but it's also bad for them. All right? So that takes charity. That, sh- that takes real love. My brothers and sisters, how do we live in true Christian freedom? We need to educate ourselves and be informed about moral truth, not truths that we make up, moral truths that we make up or moral truths that other people make up, but moral truth as it comes to us from the true authority, that is God. Frequent celebration of the sacrament of reconciliation is a great way to live in Christian freedom because it's an opportunity to come and examine your conscience and try to fine tune it so that it's in alignment with reality and to have a conversation with a priest, maybe. Okay? And to speak with a trusted individual about what's right and wrong, to get clarification. On issues. Finally, we need to have relationships with people who are emotionally healthy and who themselves are good examples when it comes to moral living. Alright? And they're not going to trap us and bind us. And then those people in our lives that maybe have got some imbalances, we can keep them at a healthy distance, either closer or farther away, always in love, but always gauging the need that we have to live in true Christian freedom. My brothers and sisters, let us owe nothing to anyone except to love them.